Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. Yeah, so anyway, um, a lot of people apparently are excited that you're on the podcast now, Keegan. Really? Yeah, you're popular. How many followers do you have on Twitter? That's a good question. <laughs> what is it, 8,000? Close to that, yeah. Gosh, man. I, I'm swimming in your wake right now. That is, that is some level of importance that I don't even understand. <laughs> no, it's uh, – I mean, you, you, you got your above your 5,000 again, right? Yeah, I lost um, – I think Twitter did a purge of – uh, some bots and then also i think with some recent news of concerning a treasonous flag and um you know and then racism being you know bad which it's always been bad but it's now it's it's more bad right now um and me sharing my thoughts on all those things you know i've lost a handful of followers but rest sure to jump back up above five thousand and yeah yeah hey you never saw me complain about going below a number of followers it's you know like when you're when you're like me <laughs> keegan when you're like me and you're scratching and clawing from the bottom of the barrel like you you've got to pick your battles and for me every battle that i pick is um meaningless and stupid and silly and uh that's just how it is so um you take your eight thousand followers and please be humble about it you know trying to be nice to I, you I, i've always been humble about it no you just you're like what oh, have i not been humble about it <laughs> All the time. What have I not been humble? You're a monster. You're a monster. Oh, by the way, rest assured, I I am fully aware of some mutual friends of ours that are all of a sudden not going to name any names. I'm not going to point out the fact that you and I just started doing a podcast. Now, all of a sudden, those two people are going to be doing a podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how bullshit on that. Hey, it sounds like it's been in the works for a while. Oh, it's. I know. I know. That's... uh. That's uh, that's great. Good. That, that it's good. That should be good for them though. Those two, the way they feed off each other. Oh yeah, <laughs> the way they hate on things with each other. <laughs> I mean, I hate on things too. That's kind of that's my job. So, um, yay for Kamiar and Steven. Uh, but yes, welcome to Inside OU once again. Uh, this is Brady Trantham, and with me from now on and as always, is Mr. Keegan Renault. Uh, Keegan, you're not in my apartment. Uh, you're somewhere else, which is why the audio sounds like we're doing this over Zoom. But please tell the good people where you're at. I am in Red River, New Mexico for the next four to six weeks or so. I'm just going to basically do what I was doing at home and moved everything up here and still going to be able to do everything. So Wait a minute. There's a New Mexico? I was unaware. Actually, that's that's home of one of the greatest uh, OU players in the last mm-hmm. decade. From Artesia. Artesia. That would be Mr. Laundry Jones. He is a uh, he is someone who's spoken very well of on this podcast before you uh, got here. And I'm not going to take any Landry Jones slander from you. You spoke glowingly about Landry Jones. Hell no, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. Oh man, like yeah, in the group chat. He was a we five star, right? Well, he was, what, was he a four star or five star? He was. I think it was one of those things where he's a five star on one site and a four, a high four star on the other. But I think he was the number one pro style quarterback coming out of high school. He just happened to not be a, a five star consensus. Probably had something to do with the fact that he had happy feet. Probably had something to do with the fact that he folded under pressure like a chair. Probably had something to do with the fact that he could never raise his team's ability past you know everyone around him. Um, might have something to do with the fact that he turns the ball over a lot. You know, just these things that you find out when you're recruiting. But you know that, Keegan. You're an expert evaluator. Really quick, Landry Jones, good or bad? Go. That not as good as uh, as uh, God, Sam Bradford. Well, and not as good as Baker Mayfield. Who would you rather Can have? I leave you any, but he was better than he was better than Trevor Knight. Well, of course. Who would you rather have, Landry Jones or Nate Hibble? Hibble won a big game, didn't he? He won a few. Rose Bowl? With, yeah. his, with his ability, yeah. Rose Bowl against Washington State. It was great. 
Um, Keegan, no, no need what to talk. What game did Landry win? Did what Landry big, ever win it? Did, does it? Was it just the OU Texas manslaughter, the slaughters? He had the benefit of playing some Texas teams that were starting to get bad. Um, 2009, of course, was when they went to the national title. And that was his freshman year when he had to step in and play 98% of that game after Sam got hurt. And then 2010, 2011, 2012 were some average Texas teams at the end of the Mac Brown era. So he had that benefit. He also had to play OSU as they kind of rose up. And then he got destroyed in 2011 by the Cowboys. And he threw it backwards even, which is something I've never seen on a football field. So you got that one going for you. Um, but, yeah, probably the Florida State game. He made the no, big throw. It was to, a big one. He, he made a big throw to Kenny Stills, even though it was underthrown. And, uh, Who Kenny was the Adams quarterback maybe. for Florida State in that game? EJ Manuel and then Clint Trickett. Bang. Clint Trickett. Clint like, Trickett. He's a skinny little thing, man. This is awful. Yeah, he, I, I thought he was going to – when they rolled him out there, I thought he was going to end up getting hurt somehow. Well, and he, t- took, and t- he got hit one time. Yeah. Or uh, on one – yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Javon Harris, like, decleated him. But in typical Bob Stoops <laughs> – led defensive fashion backup quarterbacks out here oh god what do we do we don't know what to do anymore no these things happen it football's hard uh but keegan there's really no need to stick in the past which we could all day we might have to in some future podcasts because there's only so much news to talk about but your wheelhouse which is baseball which unfortunately baseball is um, still resting in peace right now hopefully they can get their shit together because i would like you to just say some- unfortunately yes yes there, like, I understand that there are a lot of people all over the world that love baseball, and I don't want them to be sad that their sport isn't going on. Um, and if, if baseball's on and there's no basketball or football, I'll probably watch it. I had to watch UFC last night. Um, I'm filling in for Kelly Monday through Wednesday this week, and Jerry wanted me to watch UFC, and I was like, okay. I don't really know what I'm going to say. I'm like, hey, the dude from Georgia just whooped Lopez's candy ass, and next segment um (laughs) but uh baseball's not on of course they need to get their shit together Mm -hmm. but the mlb draft was over the uh, like over the last few days and ou was pretty much i had it kind of on in the background and then i went to uh, go get some pizza at halls that night and i was there for about an hour and it seemed like every 45 minutes I would see somebody from Oklahoma got drafted. So it appears that it was a fairly good draft for uh, the Sooners baseball squad. Very successful. And then when you take – now you have to take into account that it was five rounds this year, or five rounds with three compensation rounds. So there was eight total rounds. Um, so in some of the college guys that were that don't have as much leverage as the high school guys were getting picked higher than where maybe people thought, but I still don't think that's going to that takes away from the talent of the guys that got drafted from Oklahoma. They every pitcher from their starting rotation got picked. Kate Cavalli went first round to the Washington Nationals. Levi Prater went in the third round to the Cardinals of St. Louis, and then. Dane Acker went in the fourth round, the guy who threw a no-hitter against LSU, and he got selected. So uh, it, w- it was very successful for Skip Johnson, especially when you t- talk about the momentum that everybody's wanting them to have, especially in-state kids. You've got Levi Prater is from Ada. He went to Bing High School. Kate Cavalli is from Bixby. So just huge. I think it's going, to, it's going to continue to create momentum for them on the recruiting trail and in college baseball recruiting that you're recruiting 14- and 15-year-olds. You're not – they're, these kids aren't committing whenever they're juniors and seniors in high school. So it was just another big – it was a big draft, for I think, for Skip Johnson to get those arms picked. Um, I do need to mention Brady Lindsley, catcher. It was a shocker, but he, he got picked in the fourth round as well. Um, and then the two high school signees, one of them. It, I, I could kind of go into with Daxton Fulton in the situation there. But Ed Howard, there was some talk maybe he could fall out of the first round. That guy was a top ten pick heading into the year. And no season, no nothing. As a high school senior, it's tough for an evaluation to get done. So people thought he may have fallen out and go 16th to the Chicago Cubs. Wish him the best of luck in his career in every game besides one. And then Daxton Fulton, the lefty from Mustang High School. It was some very interesting stuff. I heard earlier in the week, um, well, I guess I could start way back when, I was told that Oklahoma expected all three of their in-state high school kids to make it to campus. And that's Kate Horton from Norman. That's Jay Sparoffin. I'm going to mess that name up all the time. From Westmore. 
and then Daxton Fulton from Mustang. Well, Daxton Fulton was is a guy that was potentially a you know top ten pick probably if he didn't have Tommy John surgery. He's six six lefty, um, can run it up then ninety in the low nineties. Heavy breaking ball. He he had kind of the whole package, and you know there was some confidence. And then on that he was him and the other two got high school kids. They're all going to be able to come in together and start this trend and um, this and that. So on Monday, I heard that he was wanting top top twenty round top twenty pick money. And in baseball and signing bonuses, it is a little bit different. Um, so he he falls out of the first round, doesn't get taken in the compensation round. There you go. I, I there, that, that's where I was. At. I was like, man, I think he's kind of maybe falling in a situation here where he's not going to get picked. He's going to end up at Oklahoma, and then the Miami Marlins gave him a two and a half million dollar contract or signing bonus, which was seven hundred thousand dollars more than the pick that where that was slotted for that pick. Yeah. So kind of kind of threw me for a, the whirlwind there, but um, nevertheless, we're able, I was able to track it down quick and make the corrections and. Um, but, yeah, it was just another big draft for Oklahoma. I know I kind of just went long-winded there and talked about it, but I think it's going to continue to be a big thing for them um, in the coming years. You're looking at the recruiting classes are getting better. And Oklahoma baseball, Oklahoma State obviously has been owning Oklahoma baseball for the last two to three years, but we'll see if they can Oklahoma can make any dent um, in that armor a little bit here in, in 2021. Yeah, everything you said, Keegan, um, for, like, first of all, I'm not that really well aware of OU baseball. You know, I'm, I'm not that – I don't follow it that much. Um, I did back when I was in college, um, a little bit maybe even before. I can't remember if I was in high school or in college when OU went to the uh, College World Series and was like an out away from beating South Carolina. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. when that was. but The rain uh, delay game. Yeah. Uh, but everything you said, it kind of makes me think, okay, so hashtag OK preps really only matters in baseball because everybody you said was like, oh, yeah, this guy's from Bixby. This guy's from Ada. It's like – that only happens like once every five years when we're talking about football and maybe once every seven <laughs> years when, it, when we're talking about basketball. There's like, you know, one or two great kids that come out and go D1 somewhere, whether it's OU or <clears throat> Ohio State or uh, Michigan, if, uh, you know, for whatever reason, some recruiting falls off. But that's another story for another day, Mr. Keegan. Um, real quick, who was, the, uh, who was the dude who got drafted that isn't even at OU, but they were claiming anyway? Does that make sense? Like, does that ring a bell? Ed, Ed Howard. Ed, Ed Howard. Howard. And, okay. yeah, the guy who got drafted by the Cubs. Okay, well, explain that. I mean, look, because I think from following football and following Lincoln Riley, like, recruiting is what it is. You've got to sell everything that you have at your disposal, even some things that may not be 100% factual. Um, you know, even something like, I would probably say the easiest comparison that I'm about to make would be um, Damon Williams doesn't get mentioned at all for years after he is kicked off the team once he leaves OU for, you know, reasons. And then he damn near wins right. the Super Bowl MVP. And then all of a sudden social OU social media is like, oh, yeah, Damian Williams was a Sooner. Do you guys remember that? You know, because they got to be in the forefront. I mean, that's, that's important. So not that Ed Howard got kicked off of a team for smoking weed, but he's not a Sooner Totally, but I mean, explain for like the casual listener that may not be as involved like I am with OU baseball, just how like recruiting works with with in the baseball realm, or is it all pretty much just the same uh, as it is in football? You know, it was Daxton Fulton. That's a perfect example. Oh, he did flip as a senior. He was committed to Vanderbilt, which is the if you're a pitcher, that's where you go to. Well, you go to play at Vanderbilt. You go there. You play for three to four years. You get drafted. You're on your way. But for the most part, college baseball recruiting is spent 14, 15, 16-year-olds, that kind of area. It's really young. Oof. And they, these coaches have a really good idea of what's, you know, of who's going to end up being really good. And it's crazy that they can make those evaluations at that young of an age. In the, so then you get these kids to sign. The college baseball signing day is in October. It's in that early period whenever you kind of see, you know, cross-country rowing, basketball, or men's, women's basketball, you see those signings happen. Baseball, that's when their first period to sign is as well. So you're banking on and kind of maybe his senior doesn't go as well. And we're still going to still sign this guy with the expectation he's going to make it to campus. They know how good and how high of MLB draft prospects these guys are, but it's the notoriety. It's the name. Like everybody knew who knew who Ed Howard was. Yeah. Everybody knew that Ed Howard signed with Oklahoma. 
that's a big deal in the baseball world because it, 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 it is kind of a team up and let's go do this um, in terms of college baseball recruiting. And, with, and that's such a big difference between college football because the kids talk about package deals all the time, come play with me, this and that. And that, I guess this is a bad example when you're talking about Oklahoma football right now. But with Oklahoma baseball and base college baseball recruiting in general, that's, that's really kind of how it goes. And you can build as much momentum, you know, around one or two guys in your, in your baseball recruiting class, then you, you can probably sign, or sign a really, really good class. And so they don't lose sleep over these guys not making it to campus. Um, it's they kind of know at that point in time if that's what's going to happen. But yeah, you know, it's a different college baseball recruiting is a completely different game. Yeah. Well, I, I guess as we kind of transition into football, um, obviously OU's got Mario William, Williams committed at least verbally right now. He's a guy who's um, at least willing at this point and wanting to play, you know, two sports when he gets to OU uh, baseball and football. Um, I mean, is that should we put a lot of stock in that ability for Lincoln Riley and Skip Johnson to basically kind of work together when they're recruiting certain kids? I mean, is there, or is, is that just so infrequent that you, you should, if you're an OU fan, you shouldn't even care that that's kind of like, Oh, we've got this too. We've got the ability to let you play two sports if you want to, because um, obviously everybody remembers Kyler Murray, you know, from the earlier two thousands, uh, Brandon Jones was a guy who played football and, and baseball obviously a much better football player, but to me, it just seems way too infrequent. But at the same time, it, it is kind of cool that the coaches, at least in the baseball program and the football program, not so much the basketball program, um, are at least aware of social media, how to use it and how to kind of work together as a, as a athletic department, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, you know, every situation's different. I think every recruits different whenever it helps you land a five-star wide receiver that helps. It's tremendous. And the fact that they do work hand in hand and Oklahoma baseball is just as excited to get Mario Williams as Oklahoma football is. So it, it, the communication that they have with between the programs um, with, you know, baseball and football and then track and field is another one that's come up right now with Oklahoma recruiting Bryce Foster. Um, they, they plan all these things together. They basically start to lay out the schedules like this is what you're going to be doing in the spring this is how often you're going to be doing workouts with us this is when you're going to be doing workouts okay you got a game the next day so they have these plans made they provide them to the kids and I think they work together on it it's strategic now obviously Mario Williams is more of a football player than he is a baseball player yeah. but he could be a big time MLB draft prospect when when it you know push comes to shove in two to three years from now whenever he gets to that point so uh, they no, they work hand in hand, and I think you know you continue to sell that because DJ Uagalele, the number one quarterback in the 2020 class that it went to Clemson, also big time baseball player. So it's I think it's more frequent than what some may think. I think Jalen McMillan, the wide receiver Oklahoma was recruiting last year, was also a baseball player. So uh, it, when it does happen, Oklahoma's prepared and ready, and obviously they're feeding off each other's success right now. Yeah, I mean it's so unfair that the big example that OU fans can think of is Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is, he's an absolute freak. He's, he's well on his way to having, you know, for all we can tell a very successful career in the NFL, won the Heisman uh, best passing statistics, statistical quarterback season in college football history until Joe Burrow showed up and LSU figured out the forward pass. Um, because like, I'm just really curious how that off season was for Lincoln Riley when, you know, he didn't have a guy that was not, not that he, not that Kyler wasn't fully invested because he didn't want to, but because he had baseball to worry about, he became a top, you know, seven draft pick in the MLB draft and had that ability, but we're just never going to know what Lincoln Riley, how he felt that his most important player, his most important position just wasn't there as much as he would probably prefer. So a guy like Mario right. Williams you know, a great player in his own right, but he's a receiver. Um, if you're going to have a player potentially not be there all the time during spring practices when baseball's going on, well, you'd hope that it's a position where there are three or four other guys that are more than capable of giving you some yeah, reps. Yeah, running, running back, wide receiver. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. Not defensive tackle <laughs> or, or quarterback. <laughs> um, Line, probably not your mic either. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, you know, Kyler – in a situation, if you remember, too, that he played – I'm not going to say awful. He did not play very good in that spring game 
And people kind of, yeah. that's when yeah. the conversation with Austin Kendall, maybe winning that job really, really ramped up. And I, I think if he would have been there that spring <laughs> and been there full time, it probably, probably would have found out quicker than what we did about that situation. But yeah, I, I think, you know, Mario being a wide receiver, that's going to be, that's going to benefit them greatly. Like you said, I don't think if, you know, even if it's an offensive lineman, I believe Andrew Rame played baseball for Broken Arrow out two year, and won a state championship and hit a home run, I think maybe in the state championship game, um, his junior season. So, uh, I mean, it, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't prefer an offensive line because how cohesive they have to be as a unit. But like you said, with Mario and then, you know, whatever position it could be, corner, uh, you know, those guys, the fact that they can play both and they have the schedule and they can be there for the spring and they can still get the same workouts in. You know, I think another big part of this too is Benny Wiley, I think, as the head trainer is a lot more beneficial to this aspect of it now opposed to Jerry Schmidt. And based off everything that you and I have heard or both have heard and know about Benny Wiley and what he does in terms of the must not I guess not as much muscle building muscle Mac you know he's not trying to get everybody jacked up it's that's not how it goes not trying so to get the team to, not trying to get the team to win the battle coming off the bus because OU players were they looked like Greek gods under Jerry Schmidt but they would break <laughs> break yeah, really easy, after so. what fourth fifth game yeah yeah so that gives and, me that would give me even more confidence that this can get done with Benny Wiley as the uh, as the head of the strength conditioning. Yeah, that's a that's something I've, I haven't really even given that much thought of. Like, um, I, I guess to me, I always just assumed, you know, once Schmidt went on to uh, Texas A&M and then Lincoln Riley hired Benny Wiley, my whole thing is about the uh, strength and conditioning coach. I just don't really want to hear that much about him. If we don't hear that much about him, that means he's probably doing his job and doing his job well. But because we heard about Jerry Schmidt, now look. Jerry Schmidt was a fine coach in his own right. He helped OU win a lot of games in the 2000s, uh, helped OU win a national championship in 2000 uh, because, I mean, we've all heard stories of when Stoops got there, how out of shape a lot of these players were, how out of position a lot of these players were. And Jerry Schmidt was very important to that transition to getting OU football back. So I'm not going to try and crap on him for that. But the fact, the very fact I haven't heard that much about Benny Wiley, and OU's had some injuries, but it's a blood sport. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is okay. Benny Wiley thus far doing a good job, but um, we talked about Mario Williams a little bit. Let's talk about the other big recruiting news that came out pretty much. I think the day after we recorded our last or our first podcast together, Keegan, mm-hmm. um, somebody very important announced that they are going to announce an announcement <laughs> for an announcement on the 4th of July. And that would be one Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback, or the is he the number one quarterback, or is he the number the one no- quarterback? I believe one. no, he's not the number one quarterback on twenty four seven sports anymore. I don't believe, but is he, he the is number one rivals. dual threat guy? Yes. Okay. Okay. Like I, it's it's silly. Um, so yes, OU fans are pretty much banking on like yes, ninety nine percent. He's going to OU. Of course, he's also down to Maryland, which is kind of the hometown pick. Um, OU has now had to fight Maryland for Jalen Hurts, who OU won out with and can potentially beat them again for the services of Caleb Williams. And then LSU, which, you know, it's, you know, it's another, it's obviously a program that won the national title last year, won at a high success rate with Joe Burrow. So that makes sense. But Keegan, I don't know, like the thing about recruiting that always gets, gets on my nerves. And I know I already talked to you about it last week, but um, when, it seems like in recruiting, whenever you know something's going to happen, that's when it doesn't happen. So, mm-hmm. like, let, let's just for the next few minutes, just let's just do some mental exercise of how, like, why Caleb Williams isn't going to pick OU because everybody knows he's picking OU. It, it's it's a mm-hmm. foregone conclusion at this point with everybody on Twitter. But please tell me like things that you've heard or scenarios that you've been swimming around in your head about how he doesn't go to OU on July fourth. I mean, I think if it's not Oklahoma, it's Maryland or it's one of the other schools that was in his final list at the beginning in Penn State or Clemson. I don't know if Penn State or Clemson has a quarterback, but I wouldn't say that Oklahoma would have to – I don't think fending off Maryland is the best phrasing there. But I think Oklahoma, that could be a worry 
down the line, if anything happens, you know, if say Quinn Ewers, the, the quarterback from South Lake Carroll, the 2022 that a lot of people have Oklahoma linked or Oklahoma linked to him already as being their lead, as being his leader. And he's the number one, he's going to be the number one quarterback in the next coming class. Yeah. What if Caleb Williams goes, maybe not, maybe, you know, maybe I want to go to Maryland where I know I can start. I do think that those are like, those are questions I think that are valid. I think that like the competition side of thing, especially with quarterback recruiting across the country is so, I mean, it's out in front of your face. Like Bryce Young was telling, would have gone to Oklahoma if Spencer Rattler <laughs> wasn't signed the year before. I mean, it's, that's how this thing goes. So I, that would be my only, I was an Oklahoma fan, that'd be my only worry is if the, the 2022 quarterback hops on board, does Caleb Williams even think about pe- peeking around and at the same time, too, if that happens, then does Oklahoma circle maybe circle the wagons back to Brock Vandegrift? Yeah. So we're hypothesizing, and you what you said three minutes, a couple minutes. Yeah, that, that's fine because are that's we, that's we, basically we all done? we can go. Yeah, that's basically as far as we can we're go. Done. So oh, yeah. when he commits to Oklahoma on July fourth, <laughs> yeah. What it is, it is like? I think I tweeted this out. It's been like playing a card game, and the person you're really, really trying to beat is showing you their entire hand. That's what it's felt like with Caleb Williams this whole time. Is that more than bluffing? I mean, what would that even be? Especially if Caleb just, just says, fuck it, I'm going to Maryland, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would be, no, yeah. I, I think, I mean, read the tea leaves. Everybody's been here on July 4th. We talked about it on the podcast last week, July 4th. So uh, it's going to be, uh, I think it's a big day too. And obviously he mentioned it and I haven't been able to run anything down quite yet, but he didn't mention in his blog that that's when all the commits will be go will be happening. What does that mean? I still have no clue. All the welcome commits. To, yeah. Welcome to recruiting, Brady. Oh no, 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 no. Um, gosh, no it. It's weird. Um, certainly, like you've got a high profile, high profile guy in Caleb Williams, who we've all pretty much assumed basically right before the lockdown started back in March when he took his last official visit um, to OU, and it was to OU, um, how kind of the language, how all the, um, the, I guess, the interactions on social media with Caleb Williams and everybody else kind of shifted and pivoted all the way to OU. And it's just, we've been kind of walking down this path for the last few months of just like, it's only a matter of time at this point. So I can only imagine the hellfire that social media, that Twitter will be if he just, if he chose Maryland. Um, but I mean, how, how much real quick, one more thing on, uh, recruiting before we go to uh, get to Joe Castiglione's, uh, press conference earlier in the week, I mean, how much, how much worry do quarterbacks have when they're coming out of high high school about, well, especially if they're trying to go to OU, who's always going to be in the mix for like the, the top prospect in the following cycle. Well, I don't want to go to OU because so-and-so is going to come in next week, next year. I would, I would assume that with the way the transfer portal is, with the way that landscape of college football is, that that's not really that much of a worry. If you want to go to OU, you go to OU. If it doesn't work out for you because of an injury, because Spencer Rattler is good, but for some reason decides to come back when he's draft eligible, and then the other five-star guy a year after you shows up, and you just are kind of worried about your, you know, your career at that point, you can just easily transfer. You know, and OU, Lincoln Riley, I'm sure – as much success as they've had with the um, draft, um, the draft portal, the uh, transfer portal, you know, even though he'd be reluctant to let go of a prospect like Caleb, it's like, well, okay, I can't be that hypocritical. So see you later. Um, I just, I would assume that it's not that it shouldn't be that big of a worry about, okay, the 2022 guys coming right. in too. You know, I would say that, but I, I, it's just, it seems like quarterback recruiting has evolved so much to a point to where these these kids are trying to basically set up when am I going to get my two years, uh, my, either my two years or three years of playing, and when am I getting out? So yeah, they're trying to fast track their way to the NFL. And I think like what we – the scenario I mentioned a second ago with the 2022 kid, uh, Quinn – I hope I'm saying his last name right. Ewers <laughs> from South Lake Carroll. That'll work. Uh, uh, you know, if that, he does hop on board, I do think that is going to be an interesting discussion. And I think – I mean, because basically, if he is saying, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to compete as a freshman, this is Ewers, not Williams. 
I'm going to come in and compete for the job, starting job as a freshman. If I don't get it, I have to sit for two, two full years. And then I only get one year to play. And maybe you have a great year. Maybe you don't. And, you know, then you're kind of left, you know, hands up in the air saying, what should I, should I have transferred? Should I have gone to somewhere else? Uh, no, I just, it's evolved so much. I don't foresee it being a problem with the way Oklahoma is specifically, but I don't, I mean, I also didn't think Cameron Rising was ever going to decommit from the University of Oklahoma either, and he flipped to Texas. What the hell is he doing nowadays? I think he's at Utah, right? I think something oh, like that. Oh, man. That's – oh, no. That's, that's bad. No, that's not that bad. Um, Keegan, you were on um, – you were super important. Some people weren't important. Those people won't be named on this podcast, but you were important enough to be on the – uh, Joe Castiglione Zoom press conference extraordinaire uh, podcast, Zoomcast, whatever we're calling it. I, mean, I don't know what to call it. It's not a press conference because he's not standing in front of a podium. You need a podium. A, I, call, I call it a Zoom conference call. Zoomcast. Okay. We'll, just, yeah, go with, we'll just We'll just go with yours. Now, so are we recording a podcast or a Zoomcast right now? Uh, it's, well, it's, I can see you were on Zoom because it's kind of hard <laughs> to record only audio without seeing each other. So, uh, yeah, this is a... Zoomcast. Anyway, so Josie has the press conference earlier in the week, and un- unfortunately, it, it kind of happened right at the tail end of this little malaise that we've all had as a country of like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. COVID-19 isn't, it's not real, or it doesn't matter anymore. And then it seems like as soon as that press conference ended, a day or so later, it's like, the Texas governor um, had a call with all the Texas athletic directors across the state and said, you know what, 50% uh, full, um, 50% capacity stadiums in the fall probably won't happen. And if that's the ceiling with the way all the COVID-19 positive cases are spiking right now, mm-hmm. um, I, really quick, I don't think that we can do another lockdown. I just hope that people are smart so that we can have some football and, of course, so people don't get sick and die in mass. Um, but if that's the ceiling, especially in a state like Texas, where 50% capacity um, probably won't happen in the fall, and then given what Joe C. said just a day or so before all this kind of the shit hit the fan, I mean, I know that OU and Joe C., they don't have a concrete plan right now. To have one would be silly. And then given the, how the last few days kind of coincided, I'm not going to ask, Keegan, I'm not going to ask you if we're going to have football or not because we can talk about that all summer long. But mm-hmm. I, would just, I would just hope that basically OU has kind of a concrete plan and then when more information comes out, they just alter it because if they just go into this completely blind and just reactionary, I think, that is, I think that's kind of silly. But, I mean, I know OU and their administration right. is much, much smarter than, than I am. So, I mean, just your thoughts on Josie, what he said about all that, and then kind of how the rest of the week went and how it kind of affected your earlier in the week thinking. Yeah, you know, first, I actually want to add to what you said. The University of Houston suspended voluntary workouts because they, had, they were scared of how many people yeah. – uh, that we're already having testing positive. I believe and, they're all asymptomatic down there. And o- the, OSU just had a player um, reveal that he just tested positive for COVID-19, but is asymptomatic, thank God. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that, so, the, these it, things are going to happen. Like, pe- players are going to test positive, and hopefully it's fine, and they're asymptomatic and going to be okay. But these, these are going to happen, but go ahead. Yeah. So, I, I thought the biggest thing to me, and that was my, the question I went in to ask was, I knew someone would ask about the capacity, but I was more curious about the revenue because it's been pondered how much revenue Oklahoma is losing with, you know, not having a full crowd this season. And the fact, I I believe, I I think he maybe misphrased it, but the quote, you know, we will be operating at less than 50%. Like I can't, I can't fathom that Brady. You're talking about one of the, the, the one of the only self-sufficient athletic departments in the country, and you're operating at less than fifty percent revenue because of home. You're missing home games. Yeah, that that's a. That I I I'm thinking of this from not just Oklahoma. Think about Oklahoma State. Think about Tulsa. Think about Iowa well, State. All, I mean, o- Arkansas. OSU, OSU operates at half capacity half the time anyway. So I mean, this is just walk in the park for them. Like we've been preparing for this for decades. Everybody, jokes on you, <laughs> you idiots. No. Um, 
No, and here's here's another thing, and I don't blame anybody in the press conference for asking this. I don't blame Josie for mentioning this. This is just something you really can't talk about. But you you know this by being at OU games, growing up in Oklahoma your whole life. I know it by uh, I used to have season tickets for like five or six years. I've been to a handful of games outside of tailgating in the last 10 years, of course. A sizable chunk of the fan base that goes into um, the stadium on Saturdays fall into the category of at risk. And I, I just don't know how I'm you, wrong. I, I, I just don't know how you go about that because obviously the easiest, most pragmatic thing to do is to go by, go down your season ticket list and say, I'm sorry, we don't want you to come because you are more at risk to not only contract the virus, but get sick from it have to go to the hospital and then potentially die. And we of course don't want that to happen. I, do, I just basically don't understand how you could say to someone in their 60s, 70s or 80s, sorry, you can't come. Like that, that seems like such a shit storm, but if we're going to go by what Josie says and we're going to operate at less than half capacity, that to me is where you start when you're basically trying to pick and choose who's allowed to come into the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought, He's said it twice now in the last week, I believe, yeah. that the ticket – he's mentioned that the season ticket holding, you know, stuff that they do already in terms of points with the donors and that that's how they would allocate tickets. And I think that's kind of what they're going to do with, you know, how the uh, tickets are gotten through OU for OU Texas in bowl games in Big 12 Championship. Um, you know, first come first serve to the people that have do- you know donated the most money that have been season ticket holders for the longest. So it's uh that'll ruffle some feathers, but you can't not expect that. And then, like you said too, do you start? You know, do you have asthma? Do you have this? You know, do you have this ailment? Do you have this ailment? Good and luck. you can do Good that. Luck getting people to like give out medical information like that. Yeah. 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 But I don't think I don't think that's how I don't think that's the road they will go down because he mentioned the fact that they're even talking about like okay do you need four group of tickets together do you need six do you need eight you know depending on how many season tickets you got and I think that's something that'd be actually that's actually probably the best way to be able to social distance is just to make sure everybody's in their own group that if you know you have to come to the you can't just have multiple people across the stadium um, that are in your same group you, these people are you know two, four, six, eight, whichever, whoever is going to get those season tickets, you all sit, you all sit right by each other. And next thing you know, the next person is going to be six feet away from you. Yeah. So um, I do want to mention though, I, I think you, you said it when, while you're getting ready to ask the question, but man, at this rate, I'm even worried about fans at all being allowed in games again. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm being reactionary, but. I, I feel like we went from, we're probably going to have football in the fall but with no fans. And I think we had that understanding for about a month. And then it was like all of a sudden we just woke up and said, no, it's going to be half capacity. We might even have a little bit more than half capacity. And we did that for song and dance for like two weeks. And then now we're here where it's just like, I I just don't know. And look, I'm not trying to advocate for if you're in your sixties or older, I don't want you in the stadium. I'm not trying to say that. And again, good luck. Oh, you football's not that not as much important as your life. Well, of course. I mean, that's where I'm coming from is I would just hope that people that have season tickets or that go to OU games um, that fall in that age bracket that are more at risk to die from this virus, I would hope that they would just have the that same understanding of like it's not worth it. I'll watch the games on TV. You know, like we only get six home games a year basically anyway. So just bite the bullet and (laughs) skip this season and hopefully be rewarded next season. And I, I'm sure that, that might actually happen where if OU tells you a season ticket holder, we can't, we don't really want you to come this year for X, Y, and Z reasons, um, mm-hmm. but we will make it up to you the following season. Hopefully that something like that is in place because of all the circumstances. But I mean, this is like hypothetical bullshit that we're right. Kind of getting no, into, I, no, I think you're, no, I think, I think there was a letter written. I think that was reported by the OU daily. It was sent out to uh all the season ticket holders. Oh yeah. Basically if you, uh, it'll roll over to next year. If you pay for your, student, your season tickets and you can't get them this year, you'll, you won't have to pay for next year. So, um, 
obviously that was probably a big push just to get the donut the donations into the into the athletic department but yeah. so i think it's no i, I and i think they've handled <clears throat> sorry about that i think they've handled this situation just now when you think about it and you're now you're seeing these this kind of second spike in coronavirus cases the fact that i haven't I don't cover a team a coach or an athletic director that has come out with bold statements about, you know, we're going to have football this time. We're players are going to be back on June 15th. You know, you know, there was nothing of that regard. And now you're seeing why Oklahoma never really went there. And, you know, the SEC was hard on, okay, we're going to be back on June 8th, you know, June 8th, June 8th, June 8th. And Oklahoma just kind of sat back and waited and then made their decision on July 1st um, for that to be the time. And think about this. You know, they made that decision. They're starting the players will start their quarantine, show it on June or on Monday or, t- or today or tomorrow. Um, we'll start their two-week quarantine wherever they're at if they came back to Norman or not. Um, and then they'll get ready to start workouts on July 1st. The amount of information we're going to find out the next couple weeks, I mean – Yeah, players Houston's are going to test positive. Suspended. Yeah, yeah players, the, the, when they come back – yeah. And that's to be expected, though. I, I want I want to say that the the, yeah. the, the, the OU's athletic department didn't go into this thinking that every, you know, that there's a reason why there's a plan. You know, if someone does test positive, so. Uh, but no, I think it's you know I'm thinking in the next couple of weeks you want to get into hypothesis hypo, like hypothesizing anything. I'm not sure these voluntary workouts are going to start. I mean, Houston shut it down. Oklahoma State's having more players test positive. What are these governors going to start stepping in if we get these cases coming up? And I know we're kind of – I'm going away from our own lane here of sticking to sports, but I I mean, I, I, I don't have as much confidence today as I did even yesterday that things are going to go as smoothly as it sounded like they were going to do when you heard these athletic directors and football coaches talk. Yeah, um, of course, whenever you hear someone say something stupid like, oh, we're going to have football or we're going to have this many people in the stands, you know, in fucking June, just like roll your eyes and just go, whatever. And it's, you can kind of have the same attitude if someone says we won't have football in the fall in fucking June. Like, it's just, it's silly to like say these things right now. But like you said, when the players come back on July 1st, it is to be expected that probably a good little percentage of them will have COVID-19 or test positive for it. And then hopefully, of course, nothing bad happens to them. I mean, it just kind of goes how it's pretty much gone for people in that age bracket, especially big-time D1 athletes who are in incredible, you know, incredible shape. So hopefully everything kind of goes swimming, swimmingly for that. But, you know, Lincoln's kind of smart. How do you get keep your players from – potentially getting in trouble on the 4th of July, which is, you know, a fun little holiday that we all get to celebrate. You bring it back on July 1st and say, time to quarantine. No going out. No going to Logies. Hopefully. And by the way, they're they're all going to be, if you listen to this podcast, that that video is nuts. If you saw that, (laughs) if you listen, if you listen to this podcast and you're going to Logies, what the fuck are you doing? Do you want football? Then get the fuck out of Logies. What are you doing? That is true. That is true, but I can't say anything right now. So, why? No, I didn't go to Logies, no. but I was also I had a couple, I had a couple fun nights downtown Oklahoma City last couple nights. So, well, I mean, um, there's nothing wrong with. In having- which, by the way, if anybody wants an update on the situation of social distancing and following CDC guidelines at the uh, bars and clubs downtown Oklahoma City, they're not yeah, being followed. They're not. Fit, they're not following them. No, I went no. to um, I went to Elk Valley. Brewery. A lot of fun though. I had I had a lot of fun. I went to Elk Valley uh, Brewery on Hudson. I live on Hudson, so all I got to do is just walk a mile south, and then I can get right to the brewery. And there's really never any that there's never that many people over there. And they have a tap room, and then they have a rooftop seating. And there were two people up there, and I'm like, okay, this is this is fine. And then we walked down to Midtown, just uh, you know around the block. And we saw hundreds of people at Blue Garden. We could hear hundreds of people at Fassler Hall. Um, we tried to go to RJ's, the small little bar, and it was full. And we immediately turned around because I'm like, this is an indoor bar, very small, and there's 20 people in here. It's like, yeah, this, this isn't worth it. So um, if you want football, 
please be smart is all I'm asking you. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have football, thanks in part to actions like that, I don't want to hear you bitching in the fall when we don't have it. Hey, I will say, if, if there was any positives on my end here, I went out, I had my fun, I went home for one night, and I stayed far away from my uncle as I possibly could, who has underlying <laughs> health issues, and my aunt, and they I sold everything after I left. And I drove my, ha my happy ass up here to Red River, New Mexico. So I am far away and in the outdoors of the world. So at least I'm doing that, but I did go out and have some fun and have some fun downtown Oklahoma city last two nights. But uh, no, I was curious about, I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on this. And I know this is a new podcast, but we're talking all, we're talking this, what's going on with the NBA. Yeah. It kind I'm of, I'm just curious what it kind of makes sense. And the thing that I've kind of thought this entire time is all these silly fucking things that people that athletic directors are saying in June or in April mm -hmm. about things that are happening months later. It's silly, but if we get the NBA to restart and then we actually have a blueprint of what to do from a sporting perspective, from one of the biggest leagues in not just North America, but in the entire world of how to play a sport during a pandemic, whilst players could potentially miss time if they test positive. Now, of course, if the NBA does restart and the players do what they're supposed to do and quarantine properly, then ideally on paper, they only test positive for COVID-19 once they get to Florida. And then after that, don't go anywhere. And if you don't go anywhere, no one else should get sick. So that's how it should happen on paper. But this is real life and that probably won't happen. But in regards to what's been going on over the weekend, I lost my shit on Friday night. <laughs> um, Kyrie Irving, I'll admit. Yeah. I, uh, I've always thought was an oddball. Um, um, he strikes me as the type of guy who, um, you know, like we've all had that smart ass friend who they get to college, they take one uh, philosophy class, they learn some $20 sentences about vague bullshit. And they just kind of like, they like bring it into the conversation for no reason, because they just want you to know that they're smart. Kyrie Irving kind of reminds me of that type of person. So when all this kind of was going down, I'm like, of course it's Kyrie Irving. Of course he's playing devil's advocate. But at the same time, these are valid concerns. Uh, the entire, the whole thing about uh, playing like health and safety, that, that's, that's a valid concern. Being away from your families for an extended period of time and, and not having your families be able to come to Disney World in Orlando until a month after you're already there. And Brooklyn, I mean, Kyrie Irving's not going to play, but Brooklyn's in the playoffs. So they're going to be there for at least a month. So you won't, you'll be away from your friends and family for a month. I get all that, how that's right. a little uncomfortable. Then, of course, the important thing about Black Lives Matter, and this is the NBA we're talking about, 98% of the league is comprised of black Americans. And this is a very important time, not just for them, but for everybody who considered themselves an American to be a part of. And I can understand the, well, Basketball doesn't matter. We need to go take care of this because this is actually important. And we also don't want to be like a tool of the white owner base to just entertain you, the predominantly white viewer, and distract you from what's important. Those are all valid concerns. At the end of the day, I think the bottom line is probably going to win out because not every player makes the same amount of money as Kyrie Irving. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably say a good portion of the league probably lives paycheck to paycheck and it's because they live in big houses. So at the end of the day, when they get their paychecks into the bank and they make all their payments, they have about as much money as we all do. Relatively speaking, you know, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they also have hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay in bills and fees and everything that comes with being a professional basketball player. So I think the bottom line is going to win out the ramifications moving forward if there is no league this season or if there's no restart this season moving forward are awful. So I think that that's going to win out. Uh, Dwight Howard even said uh, no basketball until these things are fixed. And I'm sorry, but if systemic racism could be fixed in a day, I would hope that we would are already had fixed it. And it would be well, be will be well past that. And so Dwight Howard for the uh, Dwight Howard Twitter rumors, he's the last guy I'm listening to for advice on anything. Well, yeah, you know, again, like this is something that 
uh, Dwight Howard is kind of a silly guy. Um, he's had a silly, <laughs> he's had a silly little career, but he is, you know, like, you know, I'm not trying to lecture anybody, but he is a black American and therefore yeah, he's, yeah, educated, no doubt, no doubt. he's educated enough to understand the black experience as an American and no amount mm-hmm. of money is going to save him from that experience, whether it right, be positive right. or negative. So he's educated enough to talk about these things, of course, but no basketball until these things are fixed. That's just not realistic. You're talking about no. never playing basketball again. And maybe Dwight Howard, maybe you are fine because you've made millions of dollars your entire career, but Garrett Temple, Lou Dort, Daniel House, these guys need basketball because this is how they make their living and they don't have millions of dollars. Right. So at the end of the day, I think the bottom line is going to win out. That's a whole long winded shit. I'm sorry about that. I know this is the inside OU podcast who gives a fuck about the NBA. Um, but I there's some if, Thunder fans who listen to this. Hopefully. Listen to OKC82, by the way, if you're not. Um, if See we how have, I plug that? We're already getting – we're doing a good job there, here. There you go. But if we have basketball and they get through at least to finish their season and crown a champion, mm-hmm. I think that bodes incredibly well for sports moving forward because there will at least be a general blueprint of how to move forward. It's not perfect. Football is not basketball. Games aren't played as frequently. There are different ins and outs, of course. But there will at least be a general blueprint, and that's only good for – sports moving forward. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, with college football, they're trying to kind of do the same model, like you said, of what the NBA is doing with basically creating a bubble. And if the NBA can have success with it, I mean, that, that those are some strict guidelines that the NBA has to follow. Um, yep. These players have to follow down there. And you're expecting – 20 19 to 22 year old kids gonna do the same thing i don't yeah and and it's also bullshit that apparently disney employees that are going to be in the bubble can just come and go as they please like that's bullshit no what yeah that's really happening yes that that was uh i think tim mcmahon wrote about that um from espn i could be wrong Mm -hmm. he might have retweeted the article but yeah apparently disney employees are able to uh come and go as they please uh, to go back home to their families because Disney employees, of course, probably live in or around Orlando. Um, that's unfair. And if I'm a player, I'm like, that's bullshit because not only is that just not fair to me because I don't want to be cooped up in my hotel all day um, every for a few months, but I don't want someone to come into the bubble and get us sick and ruin this whole thing. Like the the risk, the injury risk is inherent already after not playing for four months. So that's right. all bullshit. So. Um, hopefully that gets fixed because they're still obviously tweaking shit moving forward. Players don't report back until actually, I think tomorrow, I think tomorrow players are supposed to report back and start quarantining in their market. So we'll find out a lot NBA. this week. Yes. NBA players. I also, I also think it's the uh, tomorrow should be the same for OU football. So that's nothing official. That's not out there. Um, but I, I have a pretty good idea that that's it. That's supposed to either start today or it's starting tomorrow. So before they begin voluntary workouts and then they'll come back to Norman if they aren't already there and then they will get tested. And if they test positive and I think they'll, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do anything else um, in terms of how often they're going to test. I don't think anything that's been settled, but it should be the same with Oklahoma. So it should be, we should be seeing some players back in Norman at least and probably hanging out, you know, going out to eat, uh, see them on social media doing that. So uh, don't be surprised by that. And I, I'm trying to, you know, what, what else with that Joe Castiglione conference call? Did anything else from that well, did anybody, you? Um, I, I would imagine no one asked about this because it's a question that you and I will have. I have it for the NBA. You'd have it for OU football, of course. But, like, what is the media's role going to be in all this? Because, hmm. obviously, if yeah. we have no fans, that even puts, like, the physical media in the stadium during the game in question. But if we have some level of fans – I could then assume that we will have physical media in the stadium. But at the same time, you guys aren't going to be going into the locker room. I'm not going to be going into the locker room. The NBA kind of already had some policies in place before the season got put on hiatus. But um, it's going to be weird. There's going to be a lot of stuff done over the computer. But, I mean, is that something you guys have talked about amongst the OU beat? Or did you even get to ask Josie about that at all? I've heard a little bit about what may happen, may may not. Like 25% capacity in the press box which I would assume that would mean, you know, like, you know, newspaper like the Oklahoma and they have four credentials 
So they have four uh. seats in the press box. <laughs> um, so good luck keeping all, you know, for those, you know, people like me too, that are new, that, that are just now starting this. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be on the beat this year. And that, I think that that's something that we'll find out in the coming weeks, probably sooner rather than later. Ah, because they're going to have to make someone, uh, <laughs> ah, some would, boomer yeah. sooner. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, continue. But, uh, no, I think, you know, 25% capacity. And I think, um, you know, TV people have to be down, you know, down. The, even with that, what if you run it and how are, how are they going to have to start filming from the stands? <laughs> Uh, TV like Eddie, would, Eddie Radosevich and Nate Fakin and Buckingham and those guys? TV people might like that. I mean, you won't be on the field and get kind of like the up-close and personal kind of feel of the game, but you'll get better angles if you're a little bit higher up. Would a player get flagged if he didn't follow CDC guidelines and went up to the camera? Well, I mean, we can all, we can all sleep, you know, well at night knowing that at least Alabama's got a coach that has – you know, coached social distancing for the last 12 years of his defensive coordinating days. So um, at least Alabama football will be um, – the CDC will be rooting for Alabama football. Like more eight yards off the ball on third and two. We need more of that. Please do that. Mike so, sucks. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um. I, in case somebody is listening to this podcast, I don't want to get another mean D- DM. Oh, but. I'm I'm sure she'll be fine. And if they're listening to OU stuff anyway, then that's that's a sounds like a personal problem they have because they're employed <laughs> by a different school. So I'm sure they'll so, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'll just say this: I was at eighty twenty that we're having a football season. That has dropped to seventy to thirty. That's I'm fair. just. I, man, I, I think these next, this, this week, these numbers, if they go up any higher than where they're at, we're going to be in a world of hurt in terms of hospitalizations. I, that's what I, that's what I look at. You, you know, that talking about, I'm not as big on the positive tests. Um, but the fact yeah. that state of Arizona's filling up the fact that Texas is filling up right now, quick Houston areas, they're talking about doing a new stay at home order for the Harris County, which includes the city of Houston. I mean, it's going to be interesting. These, these next couple weeks are going to be huge in terms of college football. Um, and, the, and that's for all the leagues too. Um, you know, NBA, MLB, NFL can probably get away without playing with fans in the stands. I mean, college football, you just can't. Um, you know, if everybody's going to make it across the board in terms of finances. So it's, these next couple weeks are going to be huge, um, I think, in terms of if we're going to have this season or not. Are we going to be able to begin workouts on time or not? Are we going to be able to begin training camp on time or not? So that's yeah. what I'm kind of be watching for this week. No, it's, it's going to be interesting because the numbers are going to spike just be, like for one of the reasons because protesting has been going on for two weeks. So thousands of people have been right on top of each other. Yes, outdoors, but they've still been right next to each other. So numbers are going to increase just from the protesting alone. Um, I just hope that we don't have another federal order of everybody shut down because as we can tell, the virus doesn't just blanket cover the entire country evenly all over the place. It, it pops up in different spots. So if it's like a bad place in Topeka, then Topeka, sorry, close down for a week or two to flatten the curve. And then everybody else kind of be smart, but business as usual. So, of course, numbers are going to go up. Um, hopefully, hospitalizations stay down in Oklahoma. But um, those are going to pop up, too, because people have been protesting in the streets, uh, for the most part, peacefully, which is a good thing to see and hear um, over the last two weeks. But um, trying to think, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there's only so much that we can do and talk about. So we might have to, you know, when we get to a point, we might have to, like, talk about old shit. But um, other than that... <laughs> Other than that, I mean, uh, we should have we should have some OU football is coming back in the next couple of weeks or scheduled too, so we'll have some stuff to talk about. But I do want you to do one thing before we get off. Go Let's look at go look at a group message and look at the sunset I was looking at. That's what I've been looking at this whole okay, time. Okay, is that why you took a picture of something yeah. while while I was talking? Nope. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I saw that. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, that's <laughs> just no. That's just pretty. That's pretty. Bro, it's tough up here. I could tell. Uh, Red River, New Mexico is the only place I've ever gotten elevation sickness. First night I got there, 
I threw up for about four fucking hours. I felt oh. like absolute dick. And I, like, I had like I've, three or four beers. It might have been food poisoning from some diner in uh, somewhere in New Mexico earlier that day. But I think the elevation got to me because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a sea level guy. The elevation usually typically, so like if you get sick up here, it's way worse up in, up in, the, al- or up in the altitude a little bit higher um, than it is down in Oklahoma or even, you know, New Louisiana, places that are the same um, as the sea level. So, no, I'm excited. It should, be, it should be fun, you know, four, five, six weeks. We'll see what we could get done. Hell yeah. Um, Keegan, how long are you in Red River again? Six weeks? Four, um, I, yeah, four, yeah, I think it'll be probably August 1st. All right. Well, I'm well, back. Look forward to you having some fun up in Red River. Be safe. Everybody out there, please be safe. Uh, but, yes, mm-hmm. OU football players will be coming back fairly soon. Have some more news to kind of talk about. Maybe Lincoln Riley will talk to the media again. Who knows? But um, whether or not there's actually a lot of news to talk about, we will be back um, recording on Sunday next week and then put this out on Monday. So, uh, Keegan, be safe. Thank you for jumping on your podcast. <laughs> you too, Brady. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. Really appreciate it. Uh, go leave us a five-star review and all that shit because um, now Keegan's on the podcast, so it's a little bit different. So we need some more reviews coming your way. Also, Keegan, I will say, um, I don't know if you listen to podcasts that you ever record. Sometimes I do. Um, but definitely listen to at least the first part of this podcast because I'm doing something a little different. So we have a new little intro song, let's just say. Um, So listen to that. Everybody, okay, be safe, and we'll talk to you later.